Hey, I'm Austin, and welcome to the Valley Point Podcast. This week, we kick off a brand new two-week series called Clearing the Way, where our communications pastor, Ben Jones, looks at scripture and how we can clear the way in our hearts and experience a real and personal Easter season. In week one, we look at clearing the way for a spiritual encounter with God. Well, good morning. It's great to be here with all of you today. And I'm really excited about what God has in store for us to experience together today. It just seems like every single week, God has something special for us, doesn't it? It's like every week, something really neat happens here at Valley Point. I've been around here for a while, and just more and more, I love being around this faith community. The excitement that's here every Sunday, the energy that's here. I get to spend some time in the lobby, and there's connections and relationships being built all the time. We've been able to walk through some pretty neat things over these past several months together as a church. We've seen stories of life change, life change in students and teenagers and in kids. We've seen families and individuals get baptized together. And we've searched together through Scripture for a life verse to claim as our own. And and we've chosen those together and we've shared those with each other and encouraged each other with those. We've served like we've never had before together in our go serve and love efforts for love days. And even today we bring in supplies and we get to pray over a whole team that's about to give up a, a week of their life to serve others. It's just like God's spirit just fills this middle school every single week and we get to experience that and I hope you feel that too. And I love that Valley Point's a place for my whole family. I have two kids, of one turning four next month and he loves Kid Point. He loves the moon bounce, of course, but he comes home with the resources that they give him and we get to talk about some of those things together and he has friends here at church at four years old. And his friends love coming to church. It's just really neat and very important for us as parents to have that. So I'd encourage you today, if you're new to Valley Point, or if you've been around for a while and you're still trying to discover if this is the place for you, I want to try and make it a little bit easier for you today and tell you that this is where you need to be. This is the place for you. This is where your kids need to be. And you will not regret it. This is a great place to be. And there's no better time to jump all in. There's no better season than right now. So why don't you go ahead and unpack your bags and stay with us for a while. Now, this isn't just a great season for us as a church. This is just a great season, isn't it? Springtime. Things are beginning to warm up slowly. Although when I woke up this morning, I was shocked that there was ice on my windshield. That's not right. We have Easter in three weeks. That should not be happening right now. But things are beginning to warm up. Days are getting longer. We're beginning to get outside more. Hopefully be able to take off some of the winter weight that some of us have put on. But we won't talk about that here. But I thought it might be fun this morning if I put together a little list. These are the best things about Easter. All right? Now, just as a disclaimer, I'm not going to get real spiritual with this list. Just so you have a heads up, we're going to get spiritual. Don't worry. We'll, we'll get to that. But right now, let's just have some fun. So the best things about Easter. Number one, jelly beans. Who's with me? Jelly beans are great. Yeah, I told you this wasn't going to be real spiritual. 
And not those crazy jelly belly, one million different variety packs. I'd, I'd like to keep my buttered popcorn away from my coconut marshmallow, if you don't mind. That's just me, though. Number two, Cadbury eggs. Do I have anybody else with me on this one? Yes! Well, I did this last service, and there was like no, but there was actually crickets making noise in here when I said that. But I love these things. My wife hates them, and it's a controversy in our household, but enough people like them that they're still around. Next thing, number three, Easter egg hunts. These are fun. I mean, you get the kids together, you hide plastic eggs in really obvious locations and pretend like you can't see them, and then they run up and pick them up, and it's, it's, it's precious, isn't it? It's just really fun. You get to be outside again. It's springtime. There's nothing better. And then I know I'm going to have your support on this one. Number four, getting to buy new clothes, right? Who's with me? Buy new. It's always a good thing, right? I think holidays might be the only time I actually buy new clothes. But it, that's a great part of it. And, of course, the very best thing about springtime is what? Baseball. That's right. <laughs> This begins in 15 days for us, 19 for the home opener. I know I promised that I wouldn't get spiritual here, but you do know God's favorite team is the Phillies. That's right. And with the best things of Easter, we got to talk about what? The worst things, right? We got to lay it out there. So here's the worst things about Easter. Number one, the smell of coloring Easter eggs. Oh, enough said. Moving on. Number two, Easter grass. Now, this is that really cheap, plasticky stuff, that sort of filler for Easter egg baskets. And this is the stuff that hangs out for months after Easter. And if you have small kids, they're forever trying to eat this stuff. It's just all bad. And it needs to go away. Number three, and say it with me, the worst thing about Easter, peeps. Oh. They say these things are marshmallow. I'm not buying it just sugar-coated food coloring nastiness and they need to go away sorry if i've offended anyone but today we get to begin this two-week journey called clearing the way it's going to lead us up to easter sunday and this idea of clearing the way is just making it possible for something to happen it's doing something in order to achieve something else it's not the end game but it helps you to get there. And we're in this Easter season right now, and Christians all over, those who have put their faith in Christ, this is a really meaningful time of year for us. And Christians, they prepare for Easter in all sorts of different ways. There's different traditions, different philosophies on how to go about doing this. But they all sort of boil down to some pretty common ideas, and it's this focus on prayer and self-reflection and generosity, and thankfulness, and repentance. And so, if you've begun that process for this Easter, that's great. But if not, it's not too late. We can pull this off. There's still two weeks until Easter, and we can get this done. And whether you're a Christ follower today, or maybe you're not quite there yet, now this can be a very meaningful time for everybody. I mean, think about it. Things like personal reflection, thankfulness, Generosity. I mean, that's stuff that's good for everybody. And over these next two weeks, we're going to take a look at Scripture and sort of define how we can clear the way in our hearts to have a very meaningful and personal Easter. 
My hope today is that you'll embrace some of these ideas. And my hope is that you'll let yourself benefit from what God wants to say to you this Easter. Before we go any further, would you just pray with me? God, thank you for this season. Thank you for what it represents. Thank you for your generosity, for giving your son to us. Thank you for your compassion, for your grace. We don't want to forget those things, especially this time of year. God, we focus our attention to you now. Help us navigate through your word together today. In your name, amen. I came across an article when I was preparing for this today. The article's called Clearing the Way, Preparing the Site for Tree Planting. This was sort of an agricultural kind of article, and it goes on to say that proper preparation provides the best possible conditions for survival and growth. And this idea of clearing the way, it's just that. It's putting in the time and the thought to make some proper preparations so that we can experience God. So the big idea for today is this. Clear the way for a spiritual encounter with Him. We want to clear the way for a spiritual encounter with Him. I think it'd be safe to say if I were to ask for a show of hands, you don't have to show your hands. But if I were to ask you, most of us in here would probably say, yeah, that's sort of what I'm going for. Some sort of encounter with God. I mean, you're at church after all, right? While most of us might say that, it's a little more difficult to really understand how to make that happen. I mean, is that God's responsibility for us? I mean, I made it here. I'm sitting in the chair. It's Easter time. Grandma's here, and she's really happy that I'm here. So God, make this happen. Come on, give it to me. I want this encounter with you. Hit me. You know, it doesn't always quite happen just like that. In fact, it can be somewhat difficult to to navigate and sort of get through all of this. But Scripture does give us some clear direction, some steps that we can take, some proper preparation that we can do in our hearts so that an encounter like this can occur. We're going to begin today looking in the book of Psalm. And we're going to start in chapter 139, and David is the author of this piece of Scripture. If you look at this in your Bible, it might have some sort of heading or title to the effect of to the chief musician. This was the main leader of the temple choir. And... That meant that this particular psalm, which back in those times were turned into songs that were sung, that this particular psalm was worthy to be sung by the best of the temple musicians and sung by the best of the singers. And so this is a very, very inspirational psalm. And some great philosophers and some great theologians and historians have actually called this psalm one of the most glorious and excellent of them all. We're going to read this together today. It's a deeply personal and intimate piece of scripture, and we we kind of stumble upon David having a very spiritual encounter with God. And we're going to start right in verse 1. It says, O Lord, you have examined my heart and know everything about me. You know, when I sit down or stand up, you know my thoughts even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. 
you know, what I'm going to say, even before I say it, Lord, you go before me and you follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. Now get this. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It's too great for me to even understand. And then we move further down into this passage, and it gets even more personal. Verse 13 says, You made all of the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship, it's marvelous how well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out, even before a single day had even passed. I mean, this is a, a beautiful, beautiful example of how to clear the way in your heart to have an encounter with God. You see, David begins this piece of Scripture, and it's important to make note of this. He starts off this piece of Scripture with the spirit of humility. He says, God, your wisdom, it's far beyond my wisdom. Your greatness is far beyond my greatness in my very life, who I am. It's in your hands. He's submitting to God's authority right off the bat. He's humbling his heart, and that's our first step this morning. To have an encounter with God, you're going to have to humble your heart. See, nothing is going to happen until you embrace this idea. And in case you didn't know, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. God hates arrogance. In James chapter 4, he actually says that God opposes the proud. He's against the proud. He's actually the enemy of the proud, but he gives favor to the humble. Because with arrogance and pride in our lives, we begin to see the opposite effect of what we're going for here. Your way becomes hazy and cloudy and unclear. And David understood this, and that's why as this very foundation, he says, first of all, before anything else, God, I have to humble myself to you. Your greatness is far beyond mine. Your wisdom, it's way beyond mine. You're actually too marvelous for me to even comprehend and understand. The best way to prevent having a spiritual encounter with God is to have pride and arrogance inside of you. Because when these things are in us, you don't care about what anybody else is saying. You don't hear what your spouse is saying. You don't care. You don't care what your kids are saying. You're not hearing that. People are trying to speak truth to you and give you advice, and you won't have anything to do with it because you're only focused on yourself. In the same way, you're going to have a very difficult time hearing from God. So humble your heart. And then we continue down a little further into this psalm. And verse 23 says, Search me, O God, and know my heart, and test me, and know my anxious thoughts. Here we find David just coming right out and asking God for something. And that's step number two for us today. We have to ask for it. Ask God for this. This is a common theme throughout the Bible. In fact, Jesus even says, if you want something from my Father, just ask. In Matthew 7, we find him teaching a crowd of people. And he says, this is the key to effective prayer. This is the key to asking my Father for something. He says, keep on asking and you'll receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be opened to you. Some thoughts 
about when we ask God for things, when we ask God to have an encounter with him, thought number one is that he wants us to ask. He tells us to ask. Thought number two is he wants us to ask more than once. The key here is repetition. And he says it's very clear that if you want something, keep on asking. Thought number three when you're asking God for something is to be willing to sacrifice for it. Nothing says you really want something than when you sacrifice for it. There's a common practice by many Christians this time of year. It's a spiritual discipline of fasting. And this was traditionally uh, fasting and not eating food or going without meals. A more modern spin on that would just be to fast from activity. So you can remove anything from your life, not anything bad necessarily, but you remove something so that you can make some room for more of God and more time of prayer and personal reflection and thankfulness. So the idea behind this is to just put in a constant reminder into your life to spend some time with God. And then one last thought about asking God for something is to realize that He wants it. God actually wants to give you good things and the things and desires of your heart. We find Jesus going on a little further in that same chapter. He says, You parents, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? If they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. That doesn't make sense. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children... How much more does the Heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask? God wants you to ask for this, and He wants to give you an encounter with Him. See, David's asking God for something here. But let's take a closer look at what it is he's actually asking God for. He says, search me and know my heart. This word search here is the Hebrew word hakar, and it speaks of to explore, or it means to examine thoroughly. It's also used in a military sense in these times of how a soldier might scout out enemy territory before an invasion would occur. It's a very, very important step. Our word for this is search, but it actually talks about an idea that's a lot deeper than that. You could say that David was asking God to take his innermost thoughts, his innermost character, and integrity, and his innermost secrets, and to turn them inside out, and search through them all, and to reveal anything inside of him that was not pleasing to God. This is a difficult step to take, and this is where a lot of us are going to get off, because it gets too hard. But this is the defining moment in this whole process, because this brings to light how humble you really are, and how bad You're asking God for something. And then we come upon the action step. In verse 24, it says, Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. See, David wasn't asking God to reveal these things in his life just to have a really nice lyric to put into a song. He wasn't asking God to reveal these things just for the sake of revealing them. But he wanted them to show these things and bring them into light because he wanted to take action against them. That's our third and final step in this process. It's the most difficult one, by the way. It's to be prepared to respond 
disclaimer, be prepared because there is going to be something that God reveals inside of you. There's something in all of us, there's things in our hearts that are not pleasing to God. And if you ask him to show you these things, he will. So you're going to have to be prepared to respond. You know, we all love pointing out flaws in others, don't we? We love to get to the bottom of things, to tell it like it is because it's true after all, right? Get to the bottom of conspiracy and what's their true motives behind everything. Let's point it out until it becomes about us, right? Then we like to justify our behavior and make excuses and start blaming others. It's not me, it's him, it's her. Here's some tough questions that you can ask yourself in this process to help you sort of define some of these things. What is it that God is pointing out in your life that needs adjustment or removal? Ask, your thing, ask, ask yourself things like, am I being prideful or self-reliant? Is there a relationship that needs attention? Is there a relationship in my life that really doesn't even need to be there? Maybe he's going to ask you to mend a broken relationship. You're going to have to be prepared to take that step if that's what he's asking. Ask yourself, is there a bad habit or a harmful behavior in my life? Is there anger inside of me? Do I have a bad or negative attitude about life, about a situation that might be an indicator that something needs to be dealt with there? And then we sort of stumble upon a verse in Galatians. This isn't a fun verse to read because what it does, it just sort of airs some dirty laundry about what our lives are going to start looking like if we begin to follow our sin nature. And we go on to read in chapter 5 and verse 19. It says, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy. Have I hit yours yet? If not, it's probably coming. Outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Then he gets very real with us. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. So what do we do when we stumble upon these things in our life that just shouldn't be there? How do you respond to those things? What does God want us to do with those? Well, the first thing you have to do is own it because it's yours and it's mine. I put this inside of my heart and inside of me and nobody else. I let it in and I've let it stay. You have to own it. It's yours. And then you have to proceed to ask for forgiveness. Ask God for forgiveness. If you've trampled somebody else along the way, you're going to have to ask for their forgiveness. This isn't an easy thing to do, but you can't skip any of these steps. So own it, ask for forgiveness, and then the hardest part of all is to now turn away from that sin or repent. Or in other words, stop doing it. You know, we've, we've recognized it, we've asked for forgiveness, but we're still going to do it. That, that does no good at all. So this part of repentance, it's very, very important. And it simply just means I'm heading this direction and it's the wrong thing to do. God points it out. I ask for forgiveness. Now I'm going to turn 
and walk the other way and go the right way. That's repentance. And we need to be ready to respond in that way to all of the things that are in us that might not be so pleasing to God. And remember, there are things in all of us. So we've begun this process. We've been, we've been preparing now for an encounter like this. We've begun to humble our hearts. We've submitted to God's authority in our life. We said, your greatness is better than mine. You know more than me. You know what's best for me. I submit to you. I'm humbling my heart, and now we're asking for it. God, I want an encounter with you so bad. I'm willing to sacrifice for it. Point out anything inside of me that's making it difficult for me to hear your voice. I'm going to remove it. Now we're making some proper preparations. Because God's always talking to us. He's always trying to get our attention, but until we start taking some intentional steps, it's really difficult to hear His voice in our lives. Things get cloudy and hazy and busy. Things start to become unclear. We don't get His direction in our life. have just a few thoughts, some takeaways to take with us on our way out today. Takeaway number one is this. Spiritual encounter with God is personal. Nobody can do this for you. You have to want this, and you have to go after this. It's my responsibility to do this for me, and someone can't force this into my life. It's not going to happen. You have to take responsibility for this. It's personal. This is a busy time of year, isn't it? Things are picking up. Sports are reengaging, and... Easter can quickly become about activity, things to do, preparing for a lunch or a dinner at your house. So don't let this season pass you by and not even realize what just happened. Don't get on the other side of Easter and say, man, where was God in all of this? I never heard from God once. Benefit from what he wants to tell you this season. Another key component of this, to make it personal, be willing to sacrifice for it. Now, this is an area that I personally feel like God's doing a work inside of me. I'm really good at asking God for things. Anybody with me? <laughs> I find it very easy to ask God for favors. It comes very natural. And just like our kids, it comes natural for them to ask us for things, doesn't it? I need these shoes Tomorrow for school. I need these supplies tomorrow for school. We have to go get this. I'm turning 16. I need a car. You got to buy me a car. I'm going to college. You have to pay my way through college. And you're my parents after all, right? So it becomes very easy and natural for kids to ask their parents for things. So when I ask God for things, what am I asking for and how am I asking for it? Let me paint a little scenario for you. And I'm going to go way out in the distance with this one. You'll see why in a minute. Let's just picture in your mind that one of your kids come to you and they sit you down. Maybe your spouse is with you and they say, Dad, Mom, I just want you to know there's something that I really, really, really want. I want it so bad. I think it's really good for me. Uh, but I realize that it's a little expensive. I ask you for a lot. I know I ask you for a lot. But I want this so bad that I'm willing to make personal sacrifices 
to remove things from my life. I'm willing to not do other things so that we can make this happen. Then I'm going to get really crazy. Then they say, Mom, Dad, and if you say no, I'm totally fine with that. I submit to your authority. I submit to your wisdom. I know that you actually know what's better for me than even I do. What if your, one of your kids sat you down and said these things, and then they said, I- I'm fine with you saying no, but I really, really want this. I mean, unless it was something completely dangerous for them, how can you not say yes to a request like that? They're completely humble. I think God smiles when we ask him for things in that same way. Because the truth is, when you ask God for the right things in the right way, He can't help but say yes. After all, he's our father. Just like you want to give good gifts to your kids, he wants to give good things to us. So how are you asking? Is it with a humble heart? Is it with repetition? Is it with sacrifice? And then what is it you're asking for? You're asking for the right things. By the way, this is a right thing. Asking God for an encounter with him, that's a right thing to ask him for, and he's going to give it to you if you do it in the right spirit. This, this is there for everybody. You just have to ask in the right way. Number two, takeaway, let yourself be surprised. Perhaps today you've never cared to pursue a personal relationship with God. You've heard it, you've seen it in others, and that's great for them. That's awesome for them. That works well for them. Well, what about you? What about this season? Give it a shot. Start taking some of these steps and just see what happens because you might just be surprised. Or maybe today there's just some things in your past that you're ashamed of. There's just some mistakes, maybe a past relationship failure. Just some things going on that makes you say, this just cannot happen for me. It can. And God can do this and he wants to do this. You're not too far gone. You haven't done anything that's unforgivable. If you're here today and you're breathing, which you all are, I hope, it's not too late for you. Because after all, you might just be surprised at what God does in your life this Easter season. Then lastly, for us today, don't be afraid to share. Don't be afraid to share. Let somebody else in on your journey. Invite others in on your journey. Make it a family endeavor. I mean, what if you took a a night a week for the next two weeks or two nights or even three nights and said, look, we're going to turn off everything, we're going to put everything away, and we're all going to sit down around the table and eat dinner together. How long has it been since you've done that? And we're going to pray. We're going to ask God to bless this food. We're going to thank him for it. We're going to thank him for the blessings in our life. Clear some room for him over these next two weeks. Maybe it's a nighttime thing before you scatter for bed. Maybe you sit down as a family, open up the Bible and read some scripture together and thank him for his blessings in your life and what he's doing in your family's life. So don't be afraid to share. And I'd encourage you, think through something else. We talked about this idea of fasting. It's simply removing something from your life so that you can make room for God. Maybe it is 
eating. Maybe it is sacrificing a meal a day or going a day without eating or a week. Whoa, talk about a constant reminder to pray. (laughs) That'll do it. But think of an activity, something in your life. I'm not talking about a bad thing. It could be a very good thing. You're just not going to do this for two weeks just to give you some extra time to spend in prayer, to be thankful and gracious, showing your gratitude to what God has done in your life. And then just imagine with me for a moment what Easter Sunday, March 31st, right here at the middle school would look like if we all today begin making some proper preparation to clearing the way in our hearts for a spiritual encounter with God. If we all were to do that, this, that would be a day like we've never seen before here. I think we can do it. I think we can pull this off. We have two weeks to make it happen. Sacrifice, remove something from your life to make some more room for God and just see what happens. Just see what he does in your life and benefit from what he wants to say to you this Easter. Would you pray with me? God, thank you for our time together. Thank you for, again, what this time of year represents. Thank you for your sacrifice for us. God, as we reflect on these things, help us to not forget about this. Not this time of year. Help us to slow down. Help us not to miss this perfect opportunity to hear something great from you. For those here who have put their faith in you alone to save them, I pray for them now, all of us, that we would begin to humble our hearts, truly be humble, and remove the arrogance and pride so we can hear clearly from you. Help us to be willing to sacrifice for this and really go after it. God, I pray for those today who might not yet know you. I pray that you would surprise them this year. Catch them off guard and show yourself to them in a way that they just can't help but respond to you. God, even today, as we continue to sing and worship your name, help us to respond to the things that you're asking us to do right now this morning. We thank you for today. And in your name, amen. Well, thanks for listening. We'd also like to invite you to join us for any of our Sunday gatherings as well at the Garnet Valley Middle School at 9, 15, and 11 a.m.